0: This is a recording for the Church of the Resurrection. We are an Anglican Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Our worship includes the proclamation of God's word, the regular celebration of the Holy Communion, and an expectation that the Holy Spirit is active in the church and our lives. Please join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Boys and Girls Club on 824 East 14th Street. Father, would you send your spirit in this place, Lord? Um, that as uh, your word is proclaimed, Lord, that our hearts would be open, um, that your spirit would move in this place, and that your spirit would, um, just as we have been made alive with Christ in our baptism, Lord, uh, I pray that your spirit would continue to give us life. We pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If you were here last week, uh, you noticed that I was not. I was on vacation with my family up on the Canadian border of Minnesota, or as everyone puts it, God's country. Um, In June, as a family, we made a trip out east to visit my in-laws. That was a trip. This was a vacation. Are you familiar with the difference? See, no? Um, So trips are exhausting. Vacations are restorative, and this was restorative. And although I left for vacation as sick as I have ever been, um, I I, I came back uh, just. Restored and given the Lord's peace. It was a vacation in two parts. We spent three nights at, uh, at my family's cabin, a cabin that my grandfather built with his own bare hands in 1968. And he, I think other than a few hours on maybe one or two different days, he built it entirely without power tools because up there there's no power. There's no electricity. There's there's no running water. This is a rustic cabin. We have gas lights and a gas stove and a gas fridge, and it's glorious. It's beautiful. Over the weeks and the months, it took um, uh, to to build this cabin, so he made each of these cuts with hand saws, (laughs) if you can believe that. Amazing. And and he drove nails with a hammer. For those of you who are familiar with construction nowadays, um, not only do you not— Typically, you even use a power screw. like you have a, you have a, 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 a device hooked up to an air compressor, where you could shoot nails. It's the coolest thing in the world. Um, and, and we had none of those things. I was not even born, but my, my grandfather had none of those things. For my entire life, this has been a very special place for our family to gather. when my uncles uh, my dad is one of four boys, poor Nana um, when they were little, um, on, on this one door frame. Uh, they were measured every year. And, and so so we could, growing up, we were measured the, in that same door frame and we could see how tall we were compared to my dad growing up. We could see the growth spurts and all that fun stuff, and we've done the same thing with our children. We, have, we even have pictures of us, you know, and, and one cool thing that my grandfather has done is he has copied that entire door frame onto a, a piece of wood for each of us so we have that at home. We can look at that piece of wood where, where everybody in the family has been measured over the years. It's a very special place, not just because my grandfather built it, and not just because it is in one of the most beautiful and stunning places in the world. It's also very special because it's finite. In nineteen seventy five, the National Park Service um, used their right of eminent domain to force the sale of each and every private cabin in in what was now a what is now a national park. And while most people got limited leases, 30-year leases, uh, my grandparents got a lifetime lease. So as long as my grandparents are alive, the cabin uh, remains ours. And last year, my Nana died, and uh, my grandfather turned 88 this year. So now more than ever, we realize how finite this thing is for our family. My entire life, we, each of us, we were, we were aware of... of the just the fleeting nature because we know life is precious and like nothing is promised and nothing's guaranteed. Um, My grandmother lived a very long life but as I said she died last year. Um, We knew this special place wasn't going to last forever and as kids my brother and I we talked about how how much we longed. We we hope that we would be able to have a family to show our kids this special place before um, this cabin was taken away. And we did the, the math, like how old would, would our parents have to, our grandparents have to live to? And how, when would we have to get married? Oh, well, we better, you know, make sure that we have our, our children so that so they have this memories of this place. And we've had the blessing of, of, of bringing our children up there for the last few years. Our gratitude for that special place didn't come from nowhere. It was taught. It was instructed, it was planted, it was demonstrated. That didn't come from nowhere. Today's reading from Colossians is a powerful one. It's one uh, that I read and I'm just absolutely floored by. There's so much there, it's so dense. It's daunting to even wade in and try to preach on it, but I'm I'm here and I'm gonna give it the old college try. So let's turn to page eight in your bulletins and we can look at it together not going to preach through it verse by verse, but um, I I am going to spend a significant amount of time on those first two verses, that first sentence that we see. Paul writes, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Let's take this one phrase at a time. As you have received Christ, Jesus the Lord. This is an essential aspect of our faith. Our faith is something that's passed on. We received it from somebody who received it from somebody who received it from somebody. This is, this is about the importance of passing on what we have received and the faithfulness of, of um, discipling those that are younger. Um, one of the things that motivates me is the gratitude for the people who invested in me at important times in my life and supported me in my faith. And I, out of gratitude for that, I feel very compelled to um, to do that and help disciple others who are young in their faith and to support others. This is so important. Last week, as Aaron preached, he, he mentioned our mission statement. Um, our, our mission statement, which uh, unfortunately sometimes can just get left on the website and we forget about it, um, Our mission is to know Christ and to make him known in Sioux Falls and to the ends of the earth. So there are multiple aspects to this. We seek to know Christ and that is done through the nurturing of our faith by other people, but it is done by our own. Like once we kind of receive uh, it, we we should hopefully hunger and thirst for the word of the Lord and nurture that. And then in turn, we reach out and and we we feel compelled to do that for others, to, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We who are gathered here, we want to know Jesus. And this isn't a one-time thing. And I've spoken a lot this summer about us and our witness to the world. We're part of this bigger thing, this, this, this thing of Christianity. But we also um, we acknowledge that there are some differences and we want to be a, a, a witness to the world of Christianity to help kind of call them back to what we feel like is orthodox faith. And part of that is, that, is, is to, to change our language and to change our view of what, it is, what the faith in Jesus Christ is, is that it's not a one-time decision for Christ, a salvation event. I, I went to a garage sale across the street and, and we, were, we were talking. Somehow this guy ended up saying, yeah, I got saved in 1978 at such and such church here in town. And I kind of winced, you know, to think of like salvation as something that happened once on a day that I made a decision for Christ. Where w- what we do is, is, is we start a journey, we start a disi- we, we are discipled by Jesus, and we walk with Him for our lives. And then of course, that, that has a, a conversion point, a point where we choose to follow Jesus. But then there's this lifelong thing where we seek to know Jesus and to know him further. To be rooted and built up in Him. If you know anything about trees, roots don't don't grow overnight. For the lifetime of a tree, they, they seep into the ground and establish themselves, built up and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. That this is a process, something that we didn't ha- it didn't happen one day and suddenly it's like, wow, I got saved on that one day. But this is a lifetime of being established in the faith. And built up. There are means of growing to know Jesus, and they're found in the words of Scripture. In the book of Acts, in the second chapter, uh, we see on the day of Pentecost, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then Peter turns to the crowd and he preaches a powerful sermon about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the one whom you crucified, is Lord of the earth. And it says that 3,000 souls were saved. that 3,000 people came to know Jesus. And it doesn't say that 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 like, that like was the, you know, the beginning and the end of their discipleship. They came to know Jesus, and they were baptized. And then we see in, in the, the famous verse, Acts 2.42. I'm sorry, before I get to 2.42, starting in verse 37, it says, now when they heard this, when they heard the word, it says they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them. You know, he didn't say, you heard it, you're in, we're moving on. It says, With many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. And then we come to the famous verse, Acts 2.42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. This fourfold worship as we look to it. And we, we, in fact, form our Sunday morning worship based on what we see here in Acts 2.42. We see a pattern. People hear the gospel and they respond in faith. They look to Peter for guidance. They're like, what do we do? We believe. And Peter says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And those who believed and were baptized, it says they devoted themselves to four things. The apostles' teaching... The fellowship, the breaking of the bread, and the prayers. Like I said, we form our Sundays around this, around the apostles' teaching, that is, scripture. Form our Sunday mornings around scripture, both the reading and the proclamation in the form of a sermon. The fellowship, we do this together and not, we don't, gather, we don't remain in our homes and just worship in our family. We gather for the fellowship, for this gathering of people. We do this together together. The breaking of the bread is a technical term for the service of Holy Communion. And it says the prayers. While the prayers refers to a very specific form of liturgy in the Jewish faith um, that we haven't necessarily retained, we do feature corporate prayer, the prayer of the body of the people, that I don't stand up here and pray for you, but we have a layperson lead us in corporate prayer. as Us as a body, we pray together to the Lord. I'm not mediating for you. We pray together as a body of believers. Our faith, both the substance and the practice of our faith is something we have inherited and something that we pass on. We work to know God and we work to make him known to others. And we pass on our faith just as we have received it. It's essential to our faith. And faith is more than just intellectual agreement or intellectual another word for that would be assent it's not just like oh we agree to these propositions faith is more than that jesus is god and he suffered and died for our sake and was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures yes these are this is agreement to a set of propositions but it is also we're not only called to receive this belief but he says to walk in christ he doesn't say just agree and nod along and profess the right things. We want to walk in Jesus. So another thing that we push back on um, is this: the, the American church is far too obsessed with our eternal reward. That, that um, what, would a, what, a, what do evangelists often say? They say, believe in Jesus so that you can go to heaven when you die. No, we should believe in Jesus because everything he said about himself is true. It's not just so that we get a reward someday. We believe it because it's true. It's not an exchange where we give God faith and he gives us salvation someday. He's offering a path to salvation, a path, new life in him. Jesus uses this term path quite a, quite a bit in, in his imagery. It's a life of walking with him. That's what's offered. New life. New life. We hear the word, we believe, we're baptized, and we follow him. And this is a pattern of worship and prayer and scripture reading and Holy Communion. That's what we do on Sundays. Worship. Corporate worship. Prayer. Prayer. Scripture reading, Holy Communion. That's the structure of life walking in Him. Life can be confusing, and our faith is imperfect. We are weak. We doubt. On a day-to-day basis, we have doubt. We doubt the goodness of God. Sometimes it's hard to doubt even just the truth of Scripture, that We start to believe lies. Um, We start to believe this wouldn't happen to me if God were good. I've heard so many people walk away from their faith because not because um, they doubted the the faith of of scripture, but, or or the witness of scripture, but they can't believe it. Like they don't believe because life hasn't worked out the way they hoped. So they've walked away from their faith. We have our weak moments And we gather together on Sunday mornings, on the Lord's day, on the day in which he walked out of the grave. And we are supported in our walk by the body of Jesus Christ, by those people who sit next to us, who stand next to us. In times that we're weak, we are supported by the body of Christ, by faithful people worshiping Christ and confessing Christ crucified. I know so many people who don't know if they believe the promises of scripture and they're wrestling with this outside of the church. They're wrestling with this in their homes. And the best advice I can give to them is go, go worship on Sundays. Go through the motions of worship because it's never just going through the motions because the motions always have deep importance and help form us. I've shared with you uh, before um, how my brother, as a philosophy major in college, walked away from the faith. Him and his smarty pants philosophy majors walked away from the faith. But there's something about the Sunday morning experience that he missed, about the beauty of of church music. And he was actually attending a church that wasn't proclaiming the gospel, that had walked away from from the the historic uh, truths of scripture. And he found himself one day after many, many weeks of attending this church for simply for the beauty of the music of the choir and the organ and the windows, he found himself reciting the creed and he realized he believed it. So Paul says at the beginning here, he says, walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So we walk in him, we're rooted in him, we're built up and we're established. Think about this language here. Paul wrote elsewhere about this using opposite language. He wants us to be rooted, established, built up, to have a solid foundation. In Ephesians, he gives us the opposite view of what this looks like. So picture something being rooted, not picture the opposite. Paul writes in Ephesians. He says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So Paul says, unless we're rooted in Christ, unless we're built up by the gifts that God has given to his people to help build us up, we're tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Paul's saying God has given gifts to people inside the church to help build us up. Because all sorts of things will come at you to help to test your faith. You will have behavioral temptations. For those of you who are married, you will encounter someone of the opposite sex who makes you feel that feeling in your stomach that you felt when you first met your spouse that maybe you haven't felt in a while. And they make you feel good. And you're like, well, don't I deserve this? There are days when it seems like all your spouse does is drool and snore and leave things for you to do. And you know what? You deserve to be happy, right? And even though love doesn't keep a record of wrongs, right? Paul teaches about that in 1 Corinthians 13. You'll be tested. You'll start to keep a ledger of rights and wrongs. You'll find out that you are way ahead of your spouse. You'll be tested by greed, to take what isn't yours, but what you think you deserve. Or to live a life of miserliness rather than a life of abundance and generosity inspired by our God who has given us everything that we have. You'll look at others and you'll say, well, look at them. They have a boat. They have a vacation property. They have a new car. You'll be tempted to grasp for possessions rather than to trust in God's providence. You'll be tested by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition. Like I said, I've witnessed so many people walk away from their faith because they took Uh, they heard a smart philosophy professor give a good lecture. They're like, "Maybe, maybe human wisdom is greater than the truth of Christ's resurrection. It's not a new phenomenon. In the first century, Christians were taken captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition. They walked away from the truth of Jesus despite the testimony of eyewitnesses. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, this is the truth of all of Christianity hinges on the resurrection of Jesus. That Jesus walked out of the grave and was alive because in doing so, um, he has forgiven our sins and he's conquered all the powers of evil and death. And he says that there are still 500 people. Five, he appeared to more than 500 people. Many of them are still alive. You could go talk to them. Although their number is dwindling every day because it's not, uh, you don't have a long lifespan in the Roman Empire as, as a professing Christian. Paul writes, for in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. And then he goes on into this minor description of baptism and the beautiful imagery of baptism. That although it is sufficient to baptize with the sprinkling of water, and that's the tradition that we do, um, if, if we had the means uh, of, of of actually um, immersing somebody, we would absolutely do it that way because that is the imagery that is used. That as we're plunged beneath the water, that represents our uniting with Jesus in his death. And we, as, as we are pulled out of the water, that represents the imagery of being raised in Christ and united with him in his death and resurrection. That we've been circumcised, we've been marked as Christ's own with a new sort of circumcision, a spiritual one with a physical sign of water. In our baptism, we're united with Jesus in his death and resurrection. We who are dead in our trespasses are plunged beneath the water and united with Jesus by the powerful working of God, the same God who raised Jesus from the dead. The same God makes us alive in Jesus with that same power. We are dead in sin and we've been made alive in Jesus Christ. We have this beautiful imagery of our sin being nailed to the cross, which we'll sing about um, shortly uh, in in the service. And it says that all rulers and authorities have been put to shame because Jesus has triumphed over them. This is such a dense passage from such a beautiful book in the Bible. If you don't already have a Bible reading plan, let me suggest one for this week. Read the book of Colossians this week. There's just four chapters. You You could read a chapter a day, and then maybe read it again. Um, the, the sec- or you could cut it into smaller sections, seven days in a week, four chapters. Read it and think about the love that St. Paul had for the people he was writing to, that he's trying to nurture in the faith. Paul, as someone who was a persecutor of the church, who now felt this burning desire to reach people for Jesus to the ends of the earth. Paul, who knew that making disciples wasn't a one-time thing, he went to these cities, he planted the seed, he returned and nurtured it, and then he wrote to them, calling them to maturity, to be rooted in Christ. And read this book with the eyes of someone who understands his zeal for nurturing faith. Life is hard. Have you ever found yourself in the spot where you know what's good for you and yet you do the thing that's bad for you. You know that what you really need is another hour of sleep, but instead you stay up watching a TV show that you've already watched before. You know that what you really need is to save another 200 bucks this month, but there's this thing that you want, and if you just buy it, it, you think it would make you happy. You know that what you really need to do is to go to church on Sunday, but instead you stay up late with friends on a Saturday night. Life is hard. What we need is to walk with Jesus. What we really need is to be rooted in him, to be built up and established in the faith just as we were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. What we need is patterns in our life that support this. We need regular church attendance. We need regular Bible reading. We need regular prayer. We need the support of a community of believers. And we need to do this for the next generation because that's the pattern. We do this together and then we do this for the next generation. As we received Christ, we need to pass him on.